Breaking news, it looks like somebody on the Denver Nuggets could be traded. And we got an update on LeBron, him chasing the record. Not that you care, but I do. And what's happening over there in the East? Tuesday night, LeBron and the Lakers played against the New York Knicks in MSG. LeBron, you know, we're keeping track of the record. I'm sure you heard about it. You know, whether or not you like LeBron, you heard about it. But there were some more stats that were being kept track of during this game. He went from being sixth all-time to fourth all-time in assist. Reason being because... The fifth and fourth spots were only like one assist apart. But uh, yeah, he passed Steve Nash and Mark Jackson to be in fourth place. But what's also impressive is that he's the only person that's not a guard in, I guess, the top six at least uh, from what it showed on the screen. I think it's, uh, well, it's definitely stocked in number one. Then I think it's Magic. Chris Paul, LeBron, Nash, and Mark Jackson. So Chris Paul, the only other active player in this top six group here. Uh, I think they're separated maybe by a thousand or so points. But um, yeah, that's that's pretty cool to be on that list. Top five, you know, people knew that that was going to happen this season as well, but not being talked about as much as the points Keeping track of that, he needed 117 going into the game. And don't remember what he finished with. I think it was maybe 25, 24. But uh, he got it down to 89 points to go is what he needs. And he's only playing the Pacers, Pels, OKC, and the Bucks. So, I mean, he could do it. He could do it in three games, maybe four games. Maybe he plays low minutes on the OKC game or he just sits that game out. I mean, I'm really thinking it's still going to be the Bucks. So if you heard the last podcast, uh, that's going to be February 9th at home on TNT. Uh, If he breaks it, then people were talking about on the uh, halftime show that he may try to do it on a skyhook made field goal. So that would be cool if he does that, I guess. Uh, I don't think it's necessary. But, you know, if he wants to give the nod to Kareem, who had also played for the Bucs and won a championship there, as part of his career earlier on before he went to the Lakers. Be pretty cool. But also on LeBron for the game, he did get his first triple-double of the season. If you're keeping track of that, I know I was already keeping track of that before they announced that because I have him on one of my fantasy teams. And also keeping track of fantasy for the week. LaMelo Ball got a triple-double this uh, tonight. I want to say for the week, but tonight, and uh, that was his second one for the season. And Jokic, not surprisingly, got another triple double as well. But um, yeah, and one more fun fact for the Lakers and LeBron is that they actually had another overtime game, but they won this one. It's like the first, the last four that they've won in, in overtime. 
They've had so many close games, uh, the last one being against Boston. They lost that one. We all know what happened there and what went down, but they actually got a W here, so congrats. Hey, I got to say something. On TNT, they're doing like these lookalikes. I'm sure they've probably done it before, but the Tuesday night crew, they were doing... Some lookalikes, and Shannon Fry was over there substituting in for Shaquille O'Neal. And uh, they were saying that he looked like uh, Ryan Leslie, and then they brought up, um, who did they bring up? Nick Cannon, and I think there was a third guy in there. But, um, yeah, they call it lookalikes over here. We call them Whose Man Is This? And I would definitely have to agree, Channing Fry does look like Nick Cannon. I used to say that back in the day when uh, Channing Fry was more of a – you want to say a household name. I'm not sure if you want to call him that, but at least an active player. But, you know, you can look that up. I, I would agree with that. Bro, what's happening over there in the East? They pulled up one of the boards of uh, the conference standings, and the Bucks are right there. They're in the second spot, but they're only two games behind the Celtics. They better be careful, but... What's happening is that, you know, Chris Middleton's playing again for the last couple games. Giannis is actually playing games more regular because um, he had missed some games there. So if they're going to start being more of a cohesive, healthy team, it's going to be tough if the Celtics keep slipping up. They have to definitely solidify their team, and if they need to make a trade, they better do it uh, to whatever extent that they need to uh, get their depth, their Front court looks pretty good. Back court, maybe you can use some work for a reassurance. Not sure exactly what they're looking for, but they better do something because the Bucks. I mean, that was the thing earlier in the season uh, when I was mentioning the Bucks. I didn't want to sleep on them. They just didn't look healthy enough. They weren't whole, obviously, with Chris Middleton missing time. Uh, he came back for a little bit, and then he missed more time. But if he's back and if he's going to play to the level of an all-star, I mean, I think he just had 18 points in his last game, but he's playing minutes like in the upper teens. Like he's not a full load. He's like half game Chris Middleton. So, I mean, if he's going to clearly put up 25-plus points a game once he gets into rhythm, going into uh, playoff mode, yeah, then that's going to be – a lot to deal with because Drew Holiday is having a really good season. Brooke Lopez is having a great season. Bobby Portis is out. Uh, I'm not sure if it's indefinite or if it's just a week or two, something like that. Nothing major, something he should be able to recover from most likely by the all-star break or, or right after. But uh, yeah, he's having a great season. And then the addition of Joe Ingles used to have Pat Connaughton there. So yeah, definitely no scrubs there because you got people with a lot of uh, playoff experience, guys that were there for the championship and your main core. So, yeah, do not sleep on the Bucks. Uh, shout out to the impossibly impossibly funny podcast crew over there. They are uh, big Bucks fans, so you know maybe I'll be back in the finals. We'll see. Uh, the Sixers are right there as well. The Sixers are three games behind the, the Celtics, so they're only a game behind the Bucks. So I'm not going to sleep on them either, but we know how things can kind of go 
with Embiid or Harden or both when it comes to health. But Tyrese Maxey definitely needs to be healthy uh, for them to be able to compete at a championship level. They're definitely doing things that they should be doing during the regular season, which we know that is doable for them with uh, Embiid playing at an MVP level and even in the past with James Harden. You know, regular seasons aren't anything for them, really. It's just something you do. But the playoffs is is more. So we need to see them keep doing what they're doing, but we just have to see what the future holds with health because that's unpredictable. So I'm not worried about the Sixers now, but at the same time, I don't want to say that they're going to, you know, lock up a conference finals appearance because it's very competitive. I mean, Brooklyn's in fourth. They may slip down a little bit. They may sustain. I mean, Kevin Durant plays a big role there, too. He's out right now, so we'll see where they end up at. But um, but that top three right there, Celtics, Bucks, Sixers, like I said, the Celtics have uh, a lot going on, but the Bucks are like underdogs right now, and I think that could be the motivation to, to take over. We'll see if that happens or not. But uh, I don't want to sleep on either three of those teams. So it should be a great battle. And if it's going to be tight like that, it's going to be um, it's going to be tough to make it out of the East, just seeing who uh, they may have to go up against whoever has the, the two and three spots. Getting to number one would be crucial so you can kind of avoid some, some of that uh, early round exits. Whoa, I got another fun fact for you. Don't know if you knew this because I certainly didn't, but I was watching the TNT games and they did a little segment with DeJounte Murray from the Atlanta Hawks. And anyway, DeJounte was speaking during this segment uh, that was pre-recorded and he talked about how he worked out in the summer with LeBron apparently and LeBron told him as he was getting traded from the Spurs to the Hawks going to the Eastern Conference that the East is going to be more physical. I did not know that. Like, you know, everybody talks about the West because the West is so competitive and it's tough coming out the West. But um, that makes a lot of sense now seeing why that could possibly be with some of the younger teams, I guess the less experienced teams. I feel like it's more in the East. So I could see that. You get a lot of bruising, a lot of banging uh, just with that alone. And, you know, DeJounte said, you know, he was definitely going to enjoy that because he likes to play physical. He likes to play defense, being one of the best defenders in the league, leading the league in steals last year. So, um, but yeah, I just thought that was a, a cool fact. Or I guess it's more of an opinion, but I mean, when another guy solidifies it, it kind of makes you think that it's more fact than fiction uh, coming from a player standpoint. So it's more of a confirmation. And, uh, yeah, maybe that's why LeBron did go to the West as well because of, you know, aging. You kind of don't want to be hitting the deck as much. That wood does not give. You know, one of the best ways to describe the Denver Nuggets, they're like a bag of tricks. Like the whole team is like a bag of tricks. You know, you hear the announcers talk about what the team consists of and how people leave the Denver Nuggets kind of out of the title contention conversation. 
I think it was uh, one of the Van Gundys, if you want to believe them. They're funny. But, um, yeah, I mean, if you look at the team, obviously with Jokic, they have a two-time MVP. But, I mean, they do have a lot of great pieces that fit together as a team, and they play solid. And at times they could play really great on both ends of the floor. And it's I don't know if it's because of repetition of the last year of where they've ended up at in the playoffs as far as where they've exited the playoffs. But, I mean, I still go back to the playoff bubble when, to me, was the last time they had a fully healthy team with the guys they have now. And they've added, you know, some pieces have been edited since then. But Jamal had missed time since then, the last couple seasons. So, I mean, to me, you don't even count those seasons as being competitive enough compared to where you were in the bubble so if you're getting back to that standard which is what I would call it that standard of how they played playoff basketball then yeah you definitely need to take them serious because Jokic again he just ended up with another triple double that doesn't mean you win championships just because you get triple doubles Russell Westbrook has zero championships but Seven of the nine games. I mean, that's what he's given the team, but he's given them quality wins. He's looking like he's going to win a third MVP consecutively. Um, Jamal Murray is in his bag. I think for this game that they just played, he went six of ten on threes. I mean, that's what you kind of expect as far as um, volume shooting from the threes. Maybe not taking ten attempts per game, but... I mean, you know, a lot of guards now average two, two and a half. I mean, Jamal should be probably getting three to three and a half, maybe four a game, you know, be up there with some of the more elite three-point shooters because this guy is a volume shooter, but I don't think he's just a streaky shooter. I think once he gets more and more of a rhythm, you would see that more consistently. The scoring is definitely there. And the way the Nuggets play their game, the way Jokic and Jamal kind of feed off each other, it definitely works. You have players like Aaron Gordon there for defense. You have players like Caldwell Pope there for defense. Um, you know, they did mention that they need to possibly look into their bench and what they want to do with their bench when Jokic and uh, Jamal are both off the floor, if they should run that route or not, or they would have to stagger more. And that is important. That is key. You know, regular season, you can get by with certain things, but postseason, uh, your weaknesses will be exploited. Every team has some form of a weakness, and you will figure that out in a seven-game series. So that is important. And, uh, yeah, that leads me to the topic of what I was mentioning earlier about uh, a Denver Nugget possibly getting traded. And, you know, it's not a big name, Denver Nuggets, not Jamal, it's not Jokic, it's not even Aaron Gordon, but it's uh, possibly going to be Bones Highland. Apparently, they were saying that he has been pretty much upset or unhappy with his playing time uh, per game with the minutes. You know, he can give you quality scoring. He's a high motor type of player, so he has a lot of energy. And, you know, he could be worthy of a starting point guard position uh, maybe in a year or so, depending on what team he's on. I mean, he has a lot of upside. To me, I don't know why, but some of his game reminds me of Emmanuel quickly uh, for the Knicks. So, I mean, if you look at a guy like that, definitely could be developed. Um, so I think, yeah, a team would definitely want to give him a shot. I didn't look at the salary for him, but they did say he's on a, a rookie deal. 
still for his contract. I think, yeah, this is only like his second year in the league. So teams would definitely be interested in pursuing that. And in return, you know, I, I'm sure the Denver Nuggets would want some type of veteran, which would possibly add more depth and more consistency and stabilization for playoff runs. Um, so I don't know what the rumors are. I didn't look that up as far as what the Denver Nuggets are eyeballing. I did mention Denver before in a couple episodes ago as far as a team that may be looking for a trade before the trade deadline. Hey, we only have, at this point, nine more days, eight more days, February 1st. So February 9th is the trade deadline date. And um, we'll see. I think it's still going to be some dominoes that fall in place that uh, you know another team or so makes a trade and then you might see a few others do something but with the season just being so tight like it has been on both conferences for the playoff spots and the play-in spots I mean it's crazy you look at the Lakers they're still out of the play-in pitcher but um, you have other teams that have have slipped and they're fallen Uh, with the Denver Nuggets they just beat the Pelicans and you could see like a Zion effect of where he hasn't been playing and the Pelicans have been losing games. I think that was their ninth straight loss. They were up there right behind the Nuggets. Like as far as being in second place with the Grizzlies, like that's amazingly uh, crazy how they've dropped from there to where are they now? Eighth. 10th something weird they're down there in the play-in spot and that's what happens they're 12 and a half games back from Denver so yeah losing nine straight at any time of the season is definitely not fun and not great for your team but to be up that high and to go down uh so quickly in in a matter of two weeks is um something that is devastating to a team's morale and it puts a sense of urgency for the Pelicans to get Zion back, but you don't want to rush him back because you don't want to keep recreating injuries. I mean, these minor injuries do add up, and it will cost you games like it has been here currently. But great news, they do have Brandon Ingram back. So he is providing uh, a quality of basketball that is consistent with him being uh, a previous All-Star. But they need more. They do need Zion, so... When you're competing against these teams, especially a team like the Denver Nuggets, who has their health now, has everybody rostered up and ready to go, that it's dangerous. And I believe the Pelicans have a playoff contending team when we're talking about a whole team. But it's time for uh, other teams to also either pursue playoffs more consistently or take a step back. So back to being uh, talking about players being traded that's what's going to wind up happening for some of these teams in the west i believe uh the lakers could be done i'm not sure uh it still seems like they're not going to trade westbrook but portland if they want to get back to being serious about playoffs they may look to trade uh the pelicans like i said health is the biggest thing there they have a lot of young talent um just a couple veterans that they can really lean on is valentinus and McCollum, so I don't think you really need too much trading. You just need to really focus on health and trying to stay afloat while Zion's out. But, yeah, there's going to be teams that's going to make a move, and there's other teams that are pretty solid. So anything in the way of those other top teams is injury itself. So hopefully 
nothing bad happens to teams. You know, um, the Sacramento Kings are holding tight up there and top four. I think they might be in third place right now. But Darren Fox and Sabonis are players that have been known to have some injuries towards the end of the season. Hopefully that's not the case. You want to see players play, but, you know, the season is about two-thirds over the regular season. So it's still a good amount of games that need to be played. And load management is going to be tough to do this year, um, except for maybe the last couple weeks or, or the last week because of how tight the standings are. You definitely don't want to enter that play-in zone because that play-in tournament zone will get you to the point where you're having to possibly play a tough team just to make it to the playoffs and have a quick turnaround of maybe a day or two off before entering a seven-game or a possible seven-game series against uh, a top-seeded team. Like, yeah, you don't want that. Nobody wants to, uh, to have to experience that. But, hey, that's the way it's set up. It's supposed to be entertaining. And uh, the NBA is a business, so, you know, make what you want out of it. But that's the way it stands for now, and that's what we're going to see. So, hopefully... We see some trades. I like hearing about trades. It's exciting. It kind of shakes up the rosters. It starts getting your mind going about, okay, where would this team end up in the standings or how would this uh, team possibly look if things aren't working out for uh, the offseason. So I don't mind it, but I think something else will go down. It's been kind of dry and boring a little bit for uh, trades this season in general, but there's still some time, and maybe that last week we'll see like three or four go down. Quick plug, the All-Star Reserves are going to be announced Thursday, tomorrow, so I don't really know why they call them the reserves. The, the bench players. The All-Star bench players, in case you're wondering what the reserves are. They're players that should actually play in the All-Star game, but some of their minutes would be very low depending on who you are. But I do expect to see certain players to make it. I hope. I hope. Uh, I want to see Tyrese make make it as an all-star reserve. And my boy Shea, I got a shout-out to OKC. Um, I think Shea is very deserving of it. So I definitely would not see why he wouldn't be selected as an all-star reserve. And those are the two guards. Uh, I mean, there's more guards I mean, I think 100% Jalen Brown should be on there. I do want to mention that. But um, then just, you know, some bigs. Just shout out um, to Utah. Shout out to my boy Dejuan, the all-star. Um, Laurie Markinen should be there. You know what? As a matter of fact, I feel like he should have been selected as a starter. If it wasn't Sabonis, it should have been him instead of... I can't think of who the starters are. Somebody should have been taken off as a starter for one of those guys to be uh, an all-star starter for the West. Um, yeah, just my opinion. And then, yeah, the other big, you know, throw one in for the East. Bam, Bam's playing his butt off this season. And we'll see if he makes it. I feel like it might be on on the border of making it, but the numbers don't lie. I think he's deserving of it, but... Did I vote for him? Actually, I don't know if I did. I don't think I actually voted for him. But to be honest, I only voted like three times. Like I'm telling people to vote and I did it like once or twice. Maybe not even three times. 
I think one of the days kind of this double. So, uh, yeah, three times total. But, yeah, those announcements will come out Thursday. And then maybe over the weekend or so, I'll do a podcast about all-star predictions or something like that or whatever happens, happens. But, um, yeah, this was just a quick podcast, so nothing that I actually had planned, but just being able to watch some games and just kind of feeling a little giddy about things that were happening in the league and things they were talking about. I figured I'd get on here and put something together and and, uh, talk about things that happened. But I think the All-Star... it's going to be interesting about the all-star reserves because there's a lot of great players and some players are going to get left out. I feel like Anthony Edwards is probably going to get left out because you got to consider there's Dame. Then who else did they put on the board? They also put up um, Darren Fox for the West. I mean, it's just a lot of guards. I mean, it's just going to be some tough choices of who made the cut, who didn't make the cut. So... Shea better make the cut. Thank you for kicking in the second half. Kish YZ. Everybody peace and love.